This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We continue to digest the results of Monday's election and to drill down on what it means for us. Will a lot get done in a more cooperative atmosphere? That's what you think if you're positive, or are we headed to legislative gridlock? Will we see a period of stability with the Liberals 13 votes away from a snap election? And are the knives out for underperforming party leaders? Listening to those acceptance speeches, you would have thought that Trudeau, Scheer, and Singh were celebrating stellar results rather than disappointments that reflect a country more divided than any time in recent memory. Want to hear from you? 416-360-0740. Toll free. 1-866-740-4740. And now I'd like to welcome Kim Wright, NDP strategist and principal of Wright Strategies, Bob Richardson, liberal strategist and senior counsel to national public relations, and Jason Leader, conservative strategist, president at Enterprise. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Okay, let's start with Kim. Uh, you're wearing pink. I'm not sure if that's significant. But um, why did the NDP not make any inroads here in Ontario? Well, it, it's interesting. There were some we lost, uh, some where I saw in Essex County, for example, Tracy Ramsey, who unfortunately lost that, you know, when you have 23,000 votes and you still lose, it's still, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. But there's some new MPs, uh, that, uh, the new Democrats elected that we're pretty excited about. Matthew Green out of Hamilton, uh, Lindsay Matheson, uh, from London, uh, some of our new Ontario MPs and some returning folks who have some real deep legislative roots. Uh, you know, I look to people like Brian Massey from Windsor, Carol Hughes from Algoma, Manitoulin in a minority government situation where it's going to be more important than that not only do you understand how to uh, work through and across party lines, but also understand how the rules uh, function. Uh, I think that those uh, those folks will be well served in in a new government. So I'm excited about some of them. Do I hate losing? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, and I don't think anyone likes the ugly side of election night. But can't, voters are never wrong. I may not agree with them, but voters are never wrong. But before we move on to the guys again. Why no inroads in Toronto? Uh, so we made some inroads. We had some really interesting new candidates uh, that I think will catch on. But I do think that uh, the the prime minister's whistle stop tour uh, in the last couple of days in the campaign certainly uh, helped, and certainly the the tried and true message of strategic voting and the boogeyman of conservatives uh, works out. I would have liked to have seen more. And to be frank, uh, I think what we're going to see over the you know we had six weeks of a really good jig meet seeing 
uh, campaign. Uh, we needed six months of a really good Jigmeet Singh campaign. And uh, so now he's got 18 months, two years to prove to Canadians who he actually is. Bob Richardson, uh, again, to listen to the Prime Minister's acceptance speech, you would have thought that that he won another huge majority. He was even saying things like Canadians have rejected division. Is there any soul-searching now going on in the Liberal Party? Well, I, I, number one, I reject your premise, your description of the speech, uh, which I don't believe is accurate. I think his speech, which I listened to, uh, he he even mentioned uh, the two provinces where he has no represent, uh, representation and made it very clear that he's going to have to listen and uh, do work. And he also, in French, uh, mentioned uh, uh, parts of Quebec that clearly went to the block where he's going to have to do work. So I think the categorization of his speech um, is not necessarily representative of the speech that I heard. So, uh, so yeah, he's got a lot of work to do. Uh, he's got, uh, but, you know, he did, uh, let's not forget, he did uh, elect uh, members of parliament in eight out of ten provinces in two out of three of the northern territories. Um, he's got a, a pretty solid, uh, a pretty solid group across the board. Um, he does have some holes that he's going to have to fill, and they're going to have to figure out how they do that. Um, his father used the Senate when he had those problems. Uh, Mr. Harper used the Senate with uh, uh, in in the earlier part of his term when he was sort of lacking some some Quebec representation. I suppose that's a possibility. Um, Isn't the Senate gonna... allegedly now nonpartisan? <laughs> Well, that's just it. So, so that it might be a little bit more difficult, or that vehicle may not be uh, uh, re- as readily available as it was in the past. So, he's got a lot of work to do. He's got to listen. He's got to learn. He's got to work with every party, not just one party. I thought uh, Harper did that very well, uh, uh, getting other parties to vote for, uh, you know, almost on a vote by vote basis. And the Martin government did that relatively well for a while too, as well. So. Lots of work to do, lots of learning, and I think he's got a lot of listening to do, particularly in Western Canada. Jason Leader, I know you've been emphasizing the gains that the Conservatives made in the number of seats and saying that Andrew Scheer has been doing well, but still uh, we are reading and hearing about the knives being out, and Angus Reid even even put a number on it. They said 40% of Conservatives want, want him gone. Um, a couple of things. Um, I think each of the leaders, and I think you've heard from Bob and Kim, and I, I might have my quibbles with uh, with some of the things that they've said. I'm not going to spend. I don't think we need to relitigate the election campaign. I think each of these leaders, including Sheer and especially Sheer, has, has to take the learnings from what they've the failures of the last campaign. So. Yeah, listen, sure got more votes than Harper did in 2011 and 2015, but it wasn't enough, and it wasn't enough in the areas that count. If you can't win the 905, you can't win the government. And so, uh, you know, uh, particularly women in the 905, uh, you know, was who we couldn't close the deal with. And um, that's a big deal, and it's and frankly, it's sort of not acceptable to uh, to not learn from those mistakes. And, and as I've made the point a number of times, Kim made it here, the voters, voters are always right. You know, you can't sort of lament 
their inability to understand your message. It's it's your fault, no matter what. Um, no matter if you're Mr. Trudeau and you're, you know, you you want there's liberals who will say, well, Saskatchewan and Alberta, they're so stupid, they don't understand all the things that we're doing for them. Well, no, the problem is with you. And the same goes with Sheer. If if you can't want to see the 905 or one or two or whatever, um, the problem is with you and your message, and you've got to adjust. So um, we've got some work to do. Um, the, I think that in a minority parliament, um, voters judge you by a different way than they, do, they normally do. But in this kind of a minority parliament, it's can you work along with others? Uh, are you able to, uh, you know, be productive in getting some of your your, your policies uh, put together? And and ultimately, are you a force for good or not good? And I think that's the way that people will be judged. The, the person that adjusts the best, um, whether that's Mr. Singh, who's finally sort of stepped into the big leagues and sort of got off the couch, and whether or not he's able to to, to, to make himself a player, uh, Mr. Shear, who I think has to, is going to have to put a little water in his wine, and Mr. Trudeau, who you know we haven't seen a lot of a lot of uh, ex- experience with him being cooperative with other with other parties, uh, sort of middle my way or highway approach. Whoever solves that Rubik's cube is going to you know probably win the next election. Uh, but are the knives out for Shear? Is he going to be? We we had people here yesterday predicting, well, they were not conservative people that that he'd be out in a year. Well, we don't know. We don't know that um, one way or another. And anybody that tells you they do, I think Libby is is, is blowing smoke. So we know there's a leadership review in April. We know that Mr. Shear wants to pass it. We know that there's people who there are people who don't want him to pass it. We also know that in a minority government, it would be a lot easier for those who wanted to get rid of Mr. Shear, just practically speaking, if it weren't a minority parliament right now, um, because it's a lot more difficult. You know, with the specter of an election, not the, I'm not saying there's going to be an election in a few months or anything like that, but the specter of a possible election um, is something that it's one of the things that dissuades parties from making big, bold choices and, and changes. The fundamental about this kind of stuff. Um, the, Certainly, there, there, there is criticism of the campaign. Uh, Libby, I'm not going to pretend there isn't. There's criticism of Mr. Shear personally. I personally think um, he did better than most first-time uh, leaders. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of disappointment at the end of the campaign. So, um, you know, there's going to be a bit of a debate in the in the party about does he get to stay or doesn't he. And my position on that is, like a lot of this, um, you, it's probably smart to have a second chance at it. But you don't automatically deserve it. You got to earn it. You got to show that you're listening and 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 getting better. And that's what Harper did between 04 and 06. And that's what Mr. Shear's gonna have. To yeah, do. and Jason, it's Kim. You know, ultimately, that's what the case all all of the leaders have to make uh, from uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, Andrew Shear, Jigmeet Singh, Elizabeth May, even will need to say to their core supporters what it is that they would like to see from themselves going forward. How have they listened? How would they change tax? A bit of a man culpa, but also more importantly, how they want to win next time. And I think there was such a high expectation in particular for Andrew Scheer, uh, you know, how prime ministerial he tried to be and all the rest of it. But the disconnect between who people thought he necessarily was, who he absolutely was, who he is still being considered as being I think those are the kinds of things that they need to address. Look, there's always after an election, especially ones where you don't get the result that you like, uh, you know, the whispers of the knives and the sharpening of the knives, how far those go when we finally get to leadership reviews. Uh, that's almost, you know, we'll, we'll see as that chorus unfolds. Ultimately, though, each of the party leaders needs to look in the mirror, look deep into themselves and say, do I want this? Do I want this for another several years? 
am I ready for this? And more importantly, do I want to be prime minister? And what does it take to actually get there to authentically lead Canadians across Canada in a very divided country? And that's the, that's the type of soul searching that everyone needs to do once they frankly take a breath, because this has been a very long campaign, a very toxic and acrimonious campaign yeah. that has not only gone on for the last six weeks, but frankly, for the last couple of years. And everyone needs to take a breath, take a break, figure out what a new parliament looks like. What do Canadians expect? And and how do we go from and how do we go from there? And I think if they do that, if they actually take those moments, uh, I think that the new parliament, the new minority parliament can work at least for a while. Uh, before we uh, ask Bob for his take on that, I'd like to give the numbers out again. Uh, people, uh, what are you expecting, if anything, from a minority parliament? Is there a leader that you would hope would be gone to give your choice a better chance if you're a conservative or a new Democrat? Or uh, do you think it's a good idea to let everybody have another crack at it? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 And Bob, uh, is this a question of the Liberals having to compromise and to get support on a vote-by-vote basis? Uh, But on the other hand, uh, the other part, well, certainly the NDP has no money, and uh, there's a history of Canadians punishing uh, whatever party triggers a snap election too early. So can the liberals just kind of figure that they're good, good to go for a while without having to do anything much differently? Well, uh, Canadians do not want to hear uh, from us, AKA the political uh, class for at least two, two to two and a half years. So I think that, uh, I think that's true. Look, I think if you take a look at leadership right now, I'd say three of the leaders are safe. Mr. Blanchet is obviously safe having you know, tripled the number of seats that the block has, and he was quite a good performer. Uh, I think Mr. Singh is safe. It was his, I, I kind of equate it to Jack Layton's first uh, election. Uh, his seat count, uh, he lost about 40% of his members, but he did, uh, you know, he did perform well in the, uh, in, the, in the election. I think he's got a lot of room for, for grow. I think Mr. Trudeau's safe. At the height of the SNC stuff, he was getting 85 or 90% approval among uh, among liberals uh, i would suspect it would be uh, in and around there again today uh i think miss may has to go i think she's been hasn't uh, she said she's she's going hasn't she said that this would be her last election i i think she did and and it's time for her to go that was a terrible campaign um it had no message it was all over the place logistically it was a mess um, she was all know, over the place versus her party yeah. So, you know, and she was just and it looked like a disorganized United Church bake sale. You know, like <laughs> she needs, she in, needs in fairness, I've they, gotten some really they, good butter tarts from those bake sales. Bob. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, they need let's not go to, against they butter need, tarts. They need to clean. Uh, they need to clean up and become a much more a professional operation in terms of Mr. Shear, um, I didn't think it was great performance. Um uh, a terrible performance in urban Canada. Um, bad numbers in the 905. Quebec wasn't good. Among any demographic that's growing, younger, ethno, urban, he isn't doing well. They've got to really take a look at that and say, what's going on here? Because there's a huge disconnect. And if he doesn't do that, he will lose the next election again. 
Um, I'll leave it up to conservatives to, to decide whether he should stay or go. But it was not a good performance uh, on a whole lot of areas, particularly on uh, for 82% of us in this country who live in urban areas. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, he seemed to, do you think that he got a little bit better towards the end of the campaign or or did he kind of get caught out with the uh, i found with very little things he just couldn't explain them you know like the insurance thing the dual citizenship thing and even at that very end that that weird kinsella thing jason leader did those uh i and again i say they are small things did they amount to anything yeah, absolutely they did. And I'm not going to pretend they didn't. Um, each of those issues is sort of something you, uh, for, a, for a proper operation and a, and, a, and, a, and a leader who's in the right headspace, you swat those away like flies. I mean, those are things, you know, we, I've run a war room during a national campaign. This is the kind of stuff that you swat away and you, you, you have a bad half a day and it's gone. And, and so I, I felt like, um, Mr. Shear, um, sort of ran out of gas at the end of the campaign to my eye. Um, you know, and this happens on your first campaign, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, to, to a lot of people, uh, and, and, um, I felt like Mr. Singh, by the way, ran out of gas a little bit after the, uh, the English debate as well. It's sort of like the difference between, you know, playing 60 games a year in the minor leagues and then you go and play 80 leagues, um, you know, in hockey or basketball. And, and that last quarter of the season for the rookies is sometimes pretty tough. And that's what I saw in this campaign is it's easy to get dejected. Sometimes the movement, the numbers don't move as quickly as you want them to. Um, and all those things, the headspace, can't do, am I confident? Am I rested? Um, is this like, am I feeling like I, I would, I want to do this more or not? And so, um, you know, I, I, there was certainly some rapid response failures and that's on both the candidate and the team. And then I, I did feel like Sheer sort of ran out, ran out of gas at the end. And I think, but Jason, some of that not was to relitigate some of this, but shouldn't he have known that this whole dual citizenship issue, which he decided decided uh, right before the beginning of the campaign, the fixed election campaign, oops, maybe I should need to get this cleared up. Frankly, him and his team should have gotten gotten that out of the way. The moment he became leader of the of the federal conservatives, he should have gotten that out of the way. You want to run to be a G seven leader? Pick a darn team. You yeah, can't no, you can't play for two teams on the G seven. Well, well, yeah, Mulcair had that problem as well, and and I and I uh, would have said the same thing to them. But especially considering how much he was such a hypocrite about it, and going after Michael Jean and Tom Mulcair and Stefan Dion. Like, look, there were some things that were just uh, rook. It shouldn't shouldn't have been rookie mistakes, given how how much you guys were playing for keeps, but there were. Uh, I take ex- I take exception to your comment that Jigmeet Singh ran out of gas in the second half of the campaign. I was seeing those uh, those rallies. I was seeing the rapid response. I was seeing the stuff that was coming out. And I hey, actually that thought, hopping, that I, hopping on, on the last you know, night. I, I, got, I've got our campaign song stuck in my head still, God help me, but, uh, but I, I don't think he ran out of steam. I think it was starting off a campaign where everybody was writing your obituary, and then he finally started to turn it around. Whether he can manage that momentum, that becomes a question mark. And then the flip side of that is uh, on the cons- on the liberal side, you know, there were some things that came up during the course of the campaign about uh, the prime minister that they need to do some soul searching around. Uh, and, you know, how, do- how does he go forward? Yes, he absolutely got a majority. Yes, you know, maybe Judy Scrow could have been right. I don't know. But 
Canadians what? were well. Judy Strauss comments, yeah, but mean, let's not go there let's again. Not, let's but, not go but there. But they need to look around that co- cabinet, that caucus. What is it Canadians expect from a policy framework that, to deliver on, and also from a leadership? If they can't have the same ethics problems they had in the last government. Okay, I, I wanted to get to those policy things, and Bob, you know, one of the complaints that people had. For most people, healthcare is the top issue. We didn't hear about it. We didn't hear about it. Uh, we didn't hear about pharmacare. Uh, has there been any discussion about getting down to those very important issues, getting down to the issues, or are you still just sorting out the politics? I think we're just sorting out the politics. I think it was a terrible election from a policy perspective. I don't think that there was really any great policy focus uh, in uh, in this campaign by uh, you know heavily by by any of the campaigns. Maybe one would concede that Miss May certainly had a, a, a heavy policy focus, but the rest not so much. Uh, and I think the Canadians are worse for it. And I think the uh, there was no opportunity really to debate policy either. Uh, there was one English language to debate. It was a fiasco. Um, yeah. that needs to be cleaned up for, for the, for the next time out. Um, and, you know, if we're doing two debates in French, we ought to be doing at least two debates in English. So we need to, uh, we need to fix a couple of, uh, a couple of those things. Yeah, but that, um, that that's your leader, Justin Trudeau. Uh, you know what? Just- I'm not, I'm not, po- I'm not, uh, pointing fingers or, uh, saying anybody has been, uh, great on this issue. I'm just saying, we need to do this properly, and we need to come up with a consensus on doing it properly. And we did not do it properly this time. And uh, liberals need to uh, take some of the blame on that too, as well. Okay, let's some hear leaders from... showed up for two English debates. Let, let's let's hear from Dave in Brampton. Hi, Dave. Hi. Well, I think Sheer possibly lost a lot of votes by personal attacks on Trudeau rather than his policies. Uh, also, he came across as, I don't give a damn about the uh, uh, environment. And he did say he was going to push those pipelines through. I think he lost a lot of votes on all three of those. Okay, Dave, thanks for that. We'll, You're welcome. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll check that with Jason. So, yes, a lot of people say that uh, the environment did turn out to be one of the uh, main themes of the campaign, and, and they said the Conservatives fell short in having a plan. And it was, I have to say, quite jarring at the English debate when right out of the gate, before anything else was said as an opening statement, uh, Andrew Shear called Trudeau a, a phony and a fraud. I mean, you'd think that might have come up a little later or something. Jason, did, what did you think of that? Two, two things on, on that. Uh, let's deal with the last question first. Um, that was clearly done strategically to win the social media night and to frame the first write-throughs of, of, of print stories, which was ultimately very successful. I think it was unsuccessful in retrospect as a as a video moment, as a moment for people who were watching the debate, and so um, I, I actually I tend to agree that he came off uh, too hot there. Um, you know, in the moment, I think if you're an undecided voter, you probably had the same um, response that uh, that your caller did, which was eh, I've talked to a few people who said ah. Eh, I came off a little hot, so I, I don't disagree with that contention. I know why it was done, um, and, and I think they met that objective, but maybe won the battle, lost the war, kind of thing. And on the second um, issue that um, that uh, you raised in terms of the environment, um, I think it's a very good uh, discussion. So, number one, I do think 
you should and can have a reasonable and, a, and an aggressive uh, climate and environmental policy to get elected in this country. I think that, they, that that's, that's a good thing for all of us to ascribe to. This, all this, Bob made the point earlier, this election was not about any issue. Like, um, and and I, I have to agree. Listen, anybody pretending and anybody declaring victory on any issue coming out of this campaign, I see a bunch of stuff. Well, this is, this means you can't get elected in Canada without having a carbon tax on your platform. Well, Doug, literally every single conservative premier in the last year or two has got elected without a conservative or explicitly arguing against a, a carbon tax. This issue was, this election was not about an issue. Mr. Trudeau avoided talk of a carbon tax. He campaigned on other things. Um, that said, not, whether or not I believe it is true or not isn't true, but I just don't want the mythology of this election to be that this was an election about a carbon tax or about pharmacare or about tax cuts or anything like that. This was a referendum on who you wanted leading the country. Ultimately, the 905 and the 416 chose Trudeau over here. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I think I would agree with that, Kim. Yeah, I think we also do need to look at, you know, where we're at in our it, w- within that sort of intergovernmental relations uh, with the provinces, with the various uh, indigenous communities, uh, with municipalities. And I think if there has to be one thing that is the focus of this new parliament, it really is recalibrating that relationship with your with uh, between all three levels of government, both from a service delivery, but also just this the temperature that has increased, whether it be on separatism in Quebec Western alienation or whatever things that people want to try to use to to fly their flags these days, I, I think it, it it behooves us all that our uh, that our national governments figure out a way to to move that discussion forward. Uh, when we look at healthcare, we look at daycare, we look at uh, infrastructure. All of that has to have all three parties at the table, and that's going to be the biggest challenge for the Murray government. Is there, uh, we are starting to wrap things up, uh, is there going to be one issue that uh, the NDP will have as their price that they want to start with? Pharmacare, maybe? I, I think a meaningful movement on pharmacare. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to presuppose where any of these debates and discussions and negotiations roll out. Jigmeet put uh, forward six issues that mattered to, uh, to him as leader of the New Democrats. I think that would be the starting place. Uh, I would expect there needs to be meaningful movement on on pharmacare. Okay. And uh, Bob, what are you leaving us with? Uh, look, uh, I think uh, the Prime Minister needs to sit down with uh, each of the uh, leaders or their parties, and have discussions with them, see what he can do. I don't think we should be, quote, held hostage by any one party. I think we should be looking to try to do things on a vote-by-vote basis. Um, and uh, I think there's a number of things that we have in common with the New Democratic Party on uh, on uh, climate change, on pharmacare, on a number of others, where I think we can work together and uh, work some things out. But that doesn't exclude uh, uh, the. Uh, that shouldn't exclude the government working with other parties on certain issues too, as well, like pipelines in the West. Okay, and Jason. I just wanted to echo what Bob just said, and you know we've got, you know, between the two of them, the Conservatives and the Liberals, uh, essentially control everything outside Quebec in this country, save a few seats. I know Kim, you know, there's 25 New Democratic seats. There's a couple of Green seats. Um, I'm proposing, or what I would like to see out of this government, is the, the same kind of approach that Mr. Martin used in 04, Mr. Harper used in 06, which is the one that Bob's espousing, which is a case-by-case basis. You can work with the Conservatives on things, you can work with the New Democrats on things, you can work with the Green Party, and you might even be able to work with the Bloc on some stuff. And I think Canada will be better governed 
if Mr. Trudeau operates that way rather than, for example, a two-year accord um, with the NDP. Now, the NDP members don't like that because it doesn't give them as much bargaining power and it doesn't sort of, you know, like you know, their 25 seats aren't the most important ones in, in Parliament. But I would just say I think Canada will be better governed if Mr. Trudeau chooses that approach rather than a two-year accord with the NDP. Well, yeah, I think there's not much appetite for that in the country. No, but what I think needs to be happening is really ultimately is that there actually needs to be a working parliament that works for Canadians, regardless of whether it's issue by issue or anything else. Uh, I think things actually have to move forward and people need to feel that it's moving forward because a lot of people have been left behind. Okay, uh, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Bob Richardson, Jason Leader, and Kim Wright. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.